Hi everyone, and welcome to today's virtual lab on bacterial transformation. Bacteria cells have chromosomes, but they can also have plasmids, which are small circular pieces of DNA that can contain several genes. Let's introduce ourselves now to some important topics for understanding this lab. First, horizontal gene transfer. This is probably a term you may not have heard before. We all know about vertical gene transfer. Vertical gene transfer is the transfer of genetic material, so genes, to offspring through sexual or asexual reproduction. For example, vertical gene transfer would be when parents give DNA to offspring. Horizontal gene transfer, on the other hand, is the transfer of genes from one genome to another through a few different mechanisms that include transposable elements. Remember, these are genes that can actually jump around and move from one place in the genome to another place in the genome. Also, conjugation is an example of horizontal gene transfer. Conjugation is when a plasmid is duplicated and then shared with another bacteria cell using a sex pillus. Transduction is when a virus carrying viral DNA as well as DNA from another bacteria cell infects a new cell, giving this DNA to the new cell. And another example of horizontal gene transfer is transformation. Transformation is our main topic for today, so let's look at it in some more detail. Transformation is when a prokaryote takes up and incorporates foreign DNA, including plasmids, from its environment. So here we have a bacteria cell with a bacterial chromosome. In the cell's environment, there is various floating DNA. Most of this DNA is released into the environment when a bacteria cell, a different bacteria cell, dies and lyses, and so its DNA is spilled into the surrounding environment. Other bacteria cells that are still alive can take this DNA up. This is what it looks like. Here we have a recombinant bacteria cell. It still has its original chromosome, but it has incorporated some of these linear pieces of DNA. It's also taken up a plasmid. So this is transformation. When a prokaryote takes up foreign DNA, so DNA that came from some other organism, usually some other bacteria cell, and it's taken up and incorporated into the cell's genetic profile. Now let's talk a little bit more about plasmids, because in the transformation experiment we do today, plasmids are the DNA that we're going to be using. So plasmids are circular, they are extra chromosomal, so they're not part of the bacteria's normal chromosome, and it's also DNA that is self-replicating, so it can replicate itself inside the prokaryotic cytoplasm. Plasmids contain something called an origin of replication, usually abbreviated ORI, and other genes. The origin of replication is where the polymerase will first bind. The genes that the plasmid may contain will code for proteins involved in a variety of processes, for example, virulence factors. Many bacteria are able to pick up 
plasmids from their environment that contain virulence factors, and these bacteria then go from being non-pathogenic to being pathogenic. That is, because of the genes for virulence factors, they can now cause disease. Antibiotic resistance is another one. The plasmid we use today will have a gene called BLA, which is a beta-lactamase gene, and this gene codes for a protein that gives the bacteria cell resistance to certain antibiotics, including one called ampicillin. These plasmids can also carry human-desired products. That is, humans can take plasmids, cut them open with restriction enzymes, and insert a gene of interest. So for example, the plasmid we're using today has a gene for a regulatory protein involved in arabinose metabolism. Arabinose is a type of sugar. And also a gene for the protein green fluorescent protein, or GFP. Let's talk about GFP in a little more detail now because it plays an integral role in this virtual lab. So green fluorescent protein, or GFP, GFP fluoresces brilliant green under UV light. This means that any bacteria that are expressing GFP, if you shine UV light on them, they will glow green. GFP was originally isolated from a bioluminescent jellyfish called Aquaria victoria, and so it is able to glow green, and that is where we get GFP from. Now let's talk about some lab techniques that we're going to use today. Remember that bacteria perform transformation naturally as a part of their normal life cycle. However, there are a few lab techniques that can be used to increase the efficiency and the rate of transformation. First, we will use a transformation solution composed of calcium chloride. So calcium is positively charged. Remember that DNA is negatively charged because of phosphates in its backbone, and the cell membrane is also negatively charged because of phospholipids in the bilayer. This means that the cell membrane and the plasmids will naturally repel each other. Putting a lot of calcium, which is positively charged, into the environment means that the calcium can neutralize both the negatively charged DNA and the negatively charged membranes so that they won't repel each other anymore. Another technique that we will use is called a heat shock. This is moving the bacteria from very, very cold temperatures to very, very hot temperatures very rapidly. This shocks the bacteria cells and results in pores in the plasma membrane. Once these pores have formed, plasmids in the environment can enter the cell we'll see that the plasmid that we use today, once it enters the cell, can be transcribed and translated so that there are two proteins expressed. These are a protein involved in arabinose metabolism and GFP, or green fluorescent protein. The presence of the glow from GFP is what will tell us that the transformation worked successfully. Now before we get started, I want to go over a couple more important points for today's lab. We will be transforming E. coli cells with the P-GLOW plasmid. It's important for you to understand what is in the P-GLOW plasmid to understand the various steps of the transformation procedure. First of all, the P-GLOW plasmid 
contains a gene that codes for an arabinose operon regulatory protein. What does this mean? Remember that prokaryotes like their genes to be arranged in operons. That is, genes that have similar functions tend to be arranged together and they're under similar regulation. So in this particular system, if the sugar arabinose is absent, then the protein RSC will block transcription. And so none of the rest of the plasmid will be transcribed. However, if arabinose is present, as it will be if we grow E. coli on medium containing arabinose, then the arabinose will bind the protein RSC, and so it will no longer be able to block transcription, and transcription will proceed. Also on the picoplasmid is the gene for GFP. So if arabinose is present, that gene will be transcribed, and GFP, the green fluorescent protein, will be produced. Also on the plasmid is a gene for beta-lactamase. Again, as long as arabinose is present, the gene for beta-lactamase will be transcribed, and this will make the cells resistant to ampicillin. This means that if the medium they're growing on contains ampicillin in addition to arabinose, they'll be able to survive as long as they are producing beta-lactamase which will happen as long as they've been transformed properly.